Well, I want to ask you this morning, what is it that you're afraid of? What are you afraid of? Over the, the years, people have come up with all these different, like, top ten lists, right? You've probably seen them, the top ten things that people are afraid of. So I, I looked this week, and there's actually a bunch of different lists like that. But I picked out one, one that's probably the most well-known, the most common. And so I'm going to see how many of them that you guys can help me kind of fill in that list. So what are some of the things, the top ten fears that you think would be on that list? Spiders, okay. Yeah, I know somebody has a fear of spiders, right, Josh? Heights, dark, snakes, what do you think? Sharks, yeah. Any other ones? Heights, yeah. All right, well, here's, I'm going to go through this real quick, but here's, here's the things that showed up on the list. Number one on the list, fear of public speaking. Some people have that, right? Fear of heights. I think a lot of you mentioned that. Uh, here's one. Fear of going to the dentist. That's probably on the list for a lot of us, right? Snakes. Some of you guys came up with that. Uh, fear of flying. I actually like to fly, but I know some people are afraid of that. Uh, spiders. That was mentioned here. Uh, the fear of enclosed spaces or claustrophobia. Fear of mice. Now, that's kind of ironic, isn't it, when one of the, the most beloved creatures of all time is a mouse, right? Mickey Mouse. Uh, some people are afraid of dogs, although some people love them. And then finally, the last one that was on the list was the fear of thunder and lightning. And it may very well be that you have one of the fears on that list. Uh, you probably have a lot that aren't on the list too, Right? Now, some of the fears that we have, they're, they're actually a good thing. Would you agree with that? I mean, uh, Mary and I have been watching the new season of Alone. If you haven't ever watched it, it's, a, it's like a survival show. They take these people out and they drop them off out in the wilderness in these areas, and they are literally alone. Uh, no one else there. And this season, they've dropped them off in an area uh, up in British Columbia that's filled with grizzly bears. And um, everyone on that show, everyone on that show, they have a fear of grizzly bears. And it leads them to do some really wise things, right? Because of that fear, they don't eat in their shelters. They make lots of noise when they are out hiking around in the forest. They carry bear spray with them and some, some loud uh, things that they can set off to scare the bears away. So, so sometimes fear can actually be a good thing. It can actually save us from, from difficult things. But then there's the other kind of fear. There's kind of the unhealthy fear, and one example of that would be this. If you're a parent who is so afraid of your kids getting hurt that you never allow them to do anything where they might get hurt, what are you going to probably do? You're going to probably get them to the point where they're going to grow up and they're going to live in fear all the time. And so there's good fears, there's, there's not so good fears, and there's a lot of different ways to deal with those fears, like I shared with the kids this morning. But regardless of the kind of fear, I think one of the things that we could agree upon is that, that the best way to deal with our fears is actually through prayer. And so this morning, we're going to look at Psalm 56, and we're going to see how, how David there teaches us about how we can pray when we're afraid. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up to, to Psalm 56 this morning, and, um, and we're going to be looking at that. Before I read the psalm itself... I want to give you a little background and a little context. And we actually find that right in the superscription of the palm. Remember the palm, the psalm. I knew I'd say that at some point. 
Uh, remember last week we talked about these superscriptions. They're kind of the, the titles to the Psalms. And a lot of times they give us information on the Psalm. And so here's the one from Psalm 56, and it gives us some information. It says this, to the choir master. So that's the same as we saw last week with Psalms 42 and 43. They were also addressed to the choir master. And we know that that means that they were used in the, in the worship there in the temple. They were probably sung. The second phrase there says it's according to the dove on far-off terebinths. And frankly, no one knows exactly what that means. And it's really not all that important to understand in the, the psalm. So we're going to kind of move on to the next one. The next thing says it's a miktam of David. A miktam, if you have a, your Bible, there's probably a little footnote there that'll say it's a, a, a liturgical or a musical term. And we don't know exactly what it means today. Certainly back in the day of David when he wrote this psalm, they would have known what it meant. And, and a lot of people have speculated, but we really don't know. But here's the important part. It tells us that David wrote it, and it tells us when he wrote it. It says that he wrote it when the Philistines seized him in Gath. Now you can read about the, the entire events surrounding this psalm if you go back to first samuel and you look in chapters about 16 to 22 roughly you'll see the whole story there but i'm going to give you the really condensed version this morning so here's what happens david is anointed to be the next king of israel saul is still king and saul finds out that david's been anointed to be the king and you can imagine saul's not real happy about that so he tries to kill david and david is fleeing and he's running for his life and he finally ends up in this town of Gath. Now, the town of Gath had another famous person that came from there. Anyone know who that is? Joel, you look. Goliath, yeah. So you can imagine now, just think about this. David is going to the hometown of, of this big adversary, someone who he had slain. And the Philistines are obviously not very happy about this. And not only that, on the way there, for some reason, I don't know why, David actually picks up the sword of Goliath that he had taken and he brings that with him. Now you can imagine the people there aren't very happy to see David. And so, so they're, they're trying to get the king to arrest him or to, to kill him. So David has a good reason to be afraid. I mean, there's no doubt about that. And in the midst of all that, he sits down and he writes this psalm. Now, we know that somewhere along the line that we don't really know whether God caused David to do this or not, but the way that David gets out of the situation is he fakes like he's insane. And the, the king says, hey, get this guy out of here, basically. And so, so he's saved, but he writes this whole psalm here. And David was afraid, and he had good reason to be afraid. And, and he writes this prayer out that we're going to look at this morning. So if you can go ahead and follow along as I, as I read this psalm, we're going to read uh, Psalm 56 this morning. It says, Be gracious to me, O God, for man tramples on me all day long, an attacker oppresses me. My enemies trample on me all day long, for many attack me proudly. When I am afraid... I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust. I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? All day long they injure my cause. All their thoughts are against me for evil. They stir up strife. They lurk. They watch my steps as they have waited for my life. For their crime, will they escape? In wrath, cast down the peoples, O God. You have kept count of my t- 
tossings. Put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? Then my enemies will turn back in the day when I call. This I know, that God is for me. In God whose word I praise, in the Lord whose word I praise. In God I trust, I shall not be afraid what can man do to me. I must perform my vows to you, O God. I will render thank offerings to you. For you have delivered my soul from death, yes, my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of life. So, as we look at this, you've probably heard some, some cliches about fear, maybe. And, and I think a lot of them, I've seen a lot of sermons and a lot of commentaries that take and apply those cliches even to this passage. The first one is, is this, that, that fear is the opposite of faith. Have you ever heard that before? I, I've heard that one a lot. Or how about this one, that fear and faith cannot coexist? Now, I was tempted to actually apply those myself here because I thought those sound pretty good, right? But the fact is, if you really look at this psalm, they're, they're just really not true. I mean, take the, the beginning of this psalm here. And you look in verse 3, and we see that David writes this, When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. So in that one verse, we have on one hand, he says, I am afraid, present tense, right now I'm afraid. But at the same time, he says, I also have faith. I'm putting my trust in you right now. So it seems to me like, like faith and fear do coexist, that they, they aren't necessarily opposites, that they can happen at the same time. And that's because they're, they're really different things. They don't necessarily conflict. Fear is a feeling, right? And it's, it's influenced by the, the circumstances around us, what's going on around us. Faith, on the other hand, it's a choice. It's a choice to turn to God and to depend upon Him when we face those fears. So, so they can coexist at the same time. So here's what I would say is the main idea that we want to pull from this passage this morning. That faith is not the absence of fear. It, it's, the, it's the confidence that God is greater than my fears. Do you see the difference there? That faith is not the absence of fear. It's the confidence that God is greater than than my fears. And we see that kind of right away um, in this psalm. We see that there's a, a change that happens between, between verses 3 and 4. In verse 3, David says, when I am afraid. But by the time he gets to the end of verse 4, he says, I shall not be afraid. And it seems to me that that what we need to do then is to look at what happens between those two things. What takes David from saying, I am afraid, to I shall not be afraid? And so in the middle of verse 3, in the beginning of verse 4, here's, here's what happens. Here's what David says takes him. He says, I put my trust in you. In God whose word I praise, in God I trust. So what happens here is, is, is that David turns to his faith. And somehow that faith, somehow that trusting God allows him to deal with his fear in a healthy way. And part of that, a big part of that is this prayer that he prays here in Psalm 56. So what we want to do this morning is we want to look at this psalm and we want to understand from that the things that David teaches us here about how to pray when I'm afraid. 
And there's several things that we can do. The first thing here is that I need to admit my fears. Uh, a lot of times we, we have a situation we're afraid and we try to convince ourselves that the situation really isn't all that bad, right? Have you ever done that? Well, it's, it's not that bad. But the fact is, sometimes it really is bad. And David does, he doesn't try to say, well, it's really not so bad that all these people are trying to kill me. I mean, they're trying to kill him. So he admits his, he admits his fear. He says, when I am afraid here. But he does a couple of things that I think are really important and really instructive as, as he does that here. First of all, he admits his fear, but he doesn't dwell on it. He says, God, here's why I'm afraid. But then right away he turns to his trust in God. He doesn't, he doesn't dwell on it. what we try to do a lot of times. We try to dwell on our fears, right? And we just we rehearse them over and over and over again. The second thing here is that David refuses to be controlled by his fears. He says, yeah, I'm afraid, but I'm not going to allow them to control my life. I'm going to give them over to God, and I'm going to let God handle them so that they don't handle me. And that's what we need to do. So it's okay to go ahead and admit that we're afraid. As we talked about last week, God already knows that anyway, so you're not telling him anything new. So go ahead and just admit your fears to God. The second thing that we need to do as we pray about our fears is that we need to look at my circumstances through the lens of the Bible. Through the lens of the Bible. David here, several times, he talks about, you know, the, the Word of God, which he praises here. And the idea here is that, that David looked around at his circumstances, and they were horrible circumstances, and they were difficult circumstances, but he says, I'm not going to fo- choose to focus just on them. I'm going to focus on what God has already promised me. I'm going to focus on what God has told me. And in David's case, that was he knew God had told him he was going to be king one day. He knew that God had told him he was going to be first in a long line of kings that would end up with Jesus, the Messiah. And he says, as I'm going through here, I see all this stuff going on around me. I know it's tough, but I'm not going to choose to focus on what I can see with my eyes. I'm going to choose to focus on what God has told me in his word. And that's why we talk all the time about why it's so important for us to spend time in God's Word, why we need to read it, we need to meditate it on it, we need, to, we need to memorize it, we need to get it into our hearts so that when we look at the circumstances around us, we can trust in the Word of God and not just on what we see. You know, there's a lot of things that we see around us that can, that can really cause us to fear, right? I mean... Maybe your spouse leaves you, and that causes you to fear. Maybe you lose your job, that causes you to fear. Maybe somebody says bad things about you, and that that causes fear in your life. There's all kinds of things. There's things going on in the world all around us that ought to cause us to fear. But the way we get around those fears is we go to God's Word and we say, here's what I know that God has promised me. We talked about this last week. God has promised me. He's promised that He will never leave me or forsake me. He's promised that He will meet every single one of my needs. He has promised me that He may not take me out of all the difficulties, but He's promised He'll walk through every single one of those with me. He has promised that one day He will overcome my enemies and He will vindicate me as a child of God. 
And so what we do is as we pray, we, we pray those things back to God and we say, God, I thank you for these promises that you've given to me in your word. And that helps us to overcome our fear. The next thing that we need to do as we pray is that we need to focus on the eternal. We need to focus on the eternal. That's what David does here. And we see it two times here. He says basically the same thing two different ways. In verse 4 he says this. He says, what can flesh do to me? And then in verse 10 he says, what can man do to me? And you know what the answer to that question is? A lot. (laughs) He was in a situation where they could have put him in prison. They could have killed him. They could have tortured him. They could have done all kinds of stuff to him. So the answer is they could have done a lot. But the thing they couldn't mess with was his soul. They couldn't mess with his eternity. And David chose to focus on that. We see, it's really interesting, in verse 13, he talks about that you have delivered my soul from death. Remember, we've talked about this over the last several weeks, that the soul is that eternal part of us that that lives on even after we die. And David says, you know what? You You can do anything you want to my body, but you can't harm my soul. And that's more important. And yeah, that the... the, the the temporal stuff that's going on, the physical stuff, that's important, but it's not nearly as important as the eternal and the spiritual. And so he chooses to focus on all that. It reminds me here of what, what Jesus said to his disciples when he was talking about this whole idea in Matthew chapter 10. He says, Do not fear those who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. And so what we have to do when we have these times when we're, we're afraid is we have to understand that no matter how difficult those times are, no, no matter how dangerous they are, no matter what we might be faced with, that nothing can take a, away the eternal life that comes to us through faith in Jesus Christ. And that's more important than all the other temporary stuff. And we need to thank God for that when we pray to Him. The next thing we need to do as we pray when we're afraid is to constantly remind myself that God is for me. I, I think this is probably one of the, the key things. I mean, if you're going to just take like one of the things away today, I hope you'll take them all, but this is the one that I think can make the biggest difference. I mean, there were a lot of things that David didn't know here. He didn't know when he was going to be king. He didn't know how he was going to get out of this situation. But in verse 10, or verse 9 actually, he says, here's one thing I do know. He says, this I know, that God is for me. And that was enough. He says, I don't know what's going to happen with all this other stuff, but I believe with all my heart and with all my soul that God is for me. And if we do that in the midst of our fears, then that's going to do more than anything, I think, to to help us to, to get through those times and to deal in an effective way with our fears. To know that God is for me. We sang a lot of songs about that this morning, didn't we? Someone was joking about all the good songs that we were singing today. You know, good, good father and, and good grace and, and goodness of God. But God is good. We ought to sing about those things. We ought to pray about those things. Because God is good. Now, how, do, how can I be sure of that? You know how? Paul, Paul told us exactly how we can be sure of that in Romans chapter 8. I'm not sure, maybe he even had this psalm in mind when he wrote this, but here's what he said. What then shall we say to these things? And here it is. 
if God is for us, and the if there really means more like since than if. He's not questioning. He's saying, so you could almost translate that, since God is for us, who can be against us? And here's the proof that God is for us. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? That's the proof that God is for me. He gave up his only son. There's nothing else that he could have done more than that to prove that he is for me. And so every time I get in one of these situations where I'm afraid, I need to constantly remind myself that God is for me, that he was willing to give up his one and only son on the cross to make it possible for me to spend eternity with him. Man, God is for us. Finally, the last thing we need to do, and this is not really so much a part of the prayer, but it it really goes along with it, and that is that we need to obey even before our fear is totally conquered. See that here. When he gets to verse 12, here's what David says. He says, I must perform my vows to you, O God. I will render thank offering to you. You know what? By the time he gets to the end of this psalm, not everything is solved for David. He's still struggling with this fear. He doesn't know how he's going to get out of this situation. We saw the same thing last week, didn't we, with Psalm 42 and Psalm 43. We saw there were these cycles that David went through where, man, he was lamenting and then there was hope and then there was lament and hope. And we see the same kind of cycles here. There's cycles where he's saying, man, I'm afraid for what's going on. But then he turns right around and says, God, but I know that you're for me. I know you love me. I know that you'll get me through this. And so he gets to the end of the psalm. He hasn't quite got it all figured out. He says, but here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to obey you even though you haven't totally taken away my fears yet. And we need to do the same thing. And frankly, this is something that I'm not so sure that we're all real good at, to be honest. From what I've seen over the year, this is something that I know I've struggled with and I've seen a lot of other people struggle with it too. When we're in the midst of our fears, it's so easy to be drawn away by those fears that we fail to obey the parts of God's Word that we already know. When we're faced with the fear of not being able to to pay our bills, it's so easy not to be obedient to God in the area of investing in His kingdom with the first fruits of all that God has provided for us. Maybe the fear of change keeps us from making those changes in our life that we need to that we need to make in order to save our marriage relationship. And so what do we do? We let fear take over and we just turn around and it's like a lot easier to just go get a divorce, right? There's all kind, I could give you a whole list of things, but we need to be willing to obey those parts of God's word that we already know even when we don't when we're still in the the midst of those periods of fear. So we've seen this morning that faith is not the absence of fear. It's the confidence that God is greater than all my fears. So let me ask you again the same question that I asked you at the beginning this morning. What are you afraid of? My guess is that most of you have a long list of things that you could write down, right? There's a lot of things in our life that, that if we're really honest, we'd be afraid of. But here's what I want you to do this week. I want you to just pick one thing off that list. What's one thing that you're afraid of? Whatever it might be. And I want you to write it down. I've given you a place to do that in your sermon outline. 
And then this week, I want to encourage you to go ahead and pray about that fear, whatever it is, using the principles that we've learned together this morning. Now, I can't tell you that in one week that fear is going to be gone. But I can tell you that a week from now, you'll have more confidence in God's ability to take care of that fear in your life. And then when you've prayed for that and prayed for that and prayed for that till you kind of have a handle on it, then take down the next thing on your list and write that one down and pray about it for a week or two weeks or three weeks. And what I want you to do is to, to develop this as a lifestyle that you build into your life so that every time that you run across something that gives you fear, you say, I know how to deal with it. Now I'm going to pray about it to God. And I'm going to let God take care of this because I know that God is for me. Now, I can't, I can't guarantee you that you're not going to have more and more fears in your life. As we live in a world that is crumbling around us, it's likely that we're going to face more fears and not less. And maybe that's a good thing, because I don't think what we need is less fear in our life. What we need is more confidence in God. And if we have that confidence in God, we can be assured that God will take those fears, whatever they are, And He'll help us deal with them in a way that will be for our good in His glory. Let's pray. Father, thank You so much for this this message from Your Word. Father, we live in a world where it's so easy to fear. There's a lot of reasons to fear. God, we see them before us each and every day. But Father, we don't want to live in fear. We want to live with confidence in who You are. So help us to take the things that we've learned today, apply them to our lives, bring glory and honor to you. In Jesus' name, amen.